Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Your hosts today, Robbie Rockets, 12617, and the dude, Dariel, are here to bring you a new episode of Spit Wars. Here we go, let's dive in. So we have finally made it to now season three of The Clone Wars, Secrets Revealed. And this is basically your typical Star Wars season as compared to the movies because you started with the original trilogy, four, five, six, then you went to one, two, three. Basically, majority of the episodes here take place in between. Most of them are season one stories yeah, the and first then half. some are season two. You have a lot of that stuff going around here in this season, jumping all over the place between different times and missions. But everything looks so much better finally this season. It looks so polished. Like Obi-Wan doesn't have the armor piece anymore. It's just like arm guards now. Yeah, it's crisp. I like to call it crisp. It is. It's nice. It's refined. It's not so boxy like season one. Yeah, you know, when it all started. They had their graphics and designs down to par with everything with this. My one critique of this season is the jumping back and forth. Because... It's confusing. It's confusing because you start the season with the cadets. Yeah. And you have Heavy alive and all of those guys alive. And you see like them working, saying they want to be ARC troopers. Then the episode right after, you have Five and Echo fighting. And then they're yeah. ARC troopers. You get confused. You can get lost real easily. Mm-hmm. Like for a TV show, I feel like that's very confusing. You know, that's something they do a lot with movies. And with movies, that's a lot easier. Like, oh, yeah, that movie takes place in between uh, episodes three and four. Rogue One, that's a great movie, you know? Yeah. But this, yeah, now you're just, you're jumping. Oh, yeah, this uh, this, uh, episode takes place uh, right after the finale of season one. This one takes place before episode one, but it's after that second episode in episode two. That's kind of where we're at with a lot of the episodes that go here. But they are full of great detail and they do, you know, close a lot of plot holes and they show things that we didn't get to see from those previous seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, like we never got to see how it was to be a clone and go through a process, you know, which I thought was awesome when we see that with Domino Squad. You see all these guys from the Rishi Moon who died on that outpost and now you see them getting through and there, you saw how great they are together. Yeah. Here as cadets, oh, they, it's like they hate each other. Yeah, they weren't a cohesive unit. So, and then you're watching the episode and you're like, how did they, how did they become a unit? When did they become united? Because you know the end game of Domino Squad. Yes. But now you're watching the progression. And as you're watching the progression, you're like waiting to see, oh my God, is he, are they going to, is he going to click yet or not? So, and it's not even just that. We get to see... Like, when I first saw this episode, when they said they have a bounty hunter that trains them, I was like, oh, that's pretty intriguing. You would Yeah, really I was like, that. oh, you, they're hiring bounty hunters to teach Republic clones? You know, that was something that was a surprise to me. I never would have expected that, you know, especially the Jedi also overlook this. And for the mm-hmm. Jedi to approve something like that, I think that's pretty grand. You know, it's something different, that's for sure. You know, we, and we finally get a look at another Jedi Master, Jedi Master Shock T. You know, we yep. seem to get a Jedi showing up each season that we don't get to see 
which is nice. And we get to see that not all clones are perfect. Yeah, we get to see uh, our buddy 99. And he knows what he's doing as someone who's not even allowed to fight in the front lines. Yeah. He's like, well, I, I, I think this might work, you know? And he ends up being such an inspiring person mm-hmm. to Domino Squad alone. You know, so, so much influence on Heavy. Yeah. You know, he was the reason Heavy didn't go AWOL. The way you see Heavy in this episode, if you had seen this episode before the Rishi Moon episode, you would never think Heavy was going to be a guy to sacrifice himself for that, for those people. Yeah. At all. You're, you're seeing him and you're like, this guy just doesn't agree with anybody. You know, he's his own guy. You see how he's trying to battle through everything and he's just going in there with his own gun and he's like, nah, I got this. I ain't going back yeah. to you guys. Yeah, guys, stay there. I got this. Don't worry. Because of how uncooperative, or I guess, as you said, how unorthodox, a lot of, they, they get a lot of crap for it, to be honest. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, look at these guys. Watch them go fail right now. You know, I believe that was, what, Bravo Squad? Or yeah, something? Bravo Squad was, squad was like, oh, yeah, psh, these guys aren't going to win. <laughs> these guys Domino Squad, those, those weirdos. Psh. It's almost like, for guys who don't look defective like 99, they were close to being put into maintenance, like 99. All because they had huge personalities. Yeah. And were so individualistic. And 99 is the reason that they became whole, you know? And I, I find that so inspiring because it gave 99 more hope into things. He felt like he was important because he had an effect on these guys. Especially at the end when Heavy gave him the medal. Yo, dude, I get the chills when that happened. You know, it's like, wow, because when I see it, I'm like the chills. And he's like, oh, yeah, you'll give it back to me when I come back. And I'm like, wow, but he never comes back. And you know it, you know it, you know, but it was nice to see Echoes and Five reunite with 99 in the next episode with the attack on Camino. So I that's actually like one of the intriguing like battles, Mm. I got to say, you know, because it's so deceiving how they're kicking ass in space and it's so easy that it was for their real assault underground in the water the whole time yeah they got played you know, and then, and, you know when the battle's happening you get the three different fate like three different things going on i think that this battle happening is awesome because you're having like different groups go around here yeah exactly like you're having different groups you're having clones Jedi. working with like trainees yeah even yeah working with the cadets see that's what i also loved about this is how they realized that they didn't have any other clone troopers with them and they had to take these cadets under and their make wing. the best of the situation they're like listen we're all the same blood we got this even you know, 99 and and he's he's one of the most crucial ones because he's the reason they're able to have all their weaponry because he knows the layout he knew everything and they were able to plan their I guess, like a little trap, a little ambush, Mm -hmm. you know, to go at the Separatist droids. It's so cool because you have Anakin versus Saj, Grievous versus Kenobi, and then it's Rex, Cody, Echo Fives, and everyone versus the droids. Mm -hmm. So you have like the three different points of view going on, let alone you have two Jedi fighting, I don't want to say Sith Lords, you know, you have a Sith Assassin and I guess a Sith Battle Droid in a sense. Strong you know? lightsaber duelers. So, but it's cool that I love the fact that 
in the Clone Wars, it's always Kenobi versus Grievous. Yeah. Well, I and it's always say... Grievous running away, and then in Revenge of the Sith when they fight and he finally kills him, you're like, oh, it feels so great seeing that he finally got Grievous after watching. You're watching the show and you're seeing them fight twenty million times. I know for all for all those years and everything. And I gotta say, I love how well they do that throughout the show because they never mess it up where Anakin fights Grievous ever because yeah, they never you meet. really realize that they actually interact on Revenge of the Sith and he goes, oh, you're a little shorter than I expected, you know? So for them to keep the tracks covered and not mess up continuity, I thought that that, that was great, you know? And throughout this episode, we do get a very sad moment in 99's death. That was very touching. R.I.P. I gotta R. I. say, it hits me, man hits me because he was a he's a very big influence to those clones for being defective he knew exactly what was going on he now was... i have a wacky crazy idea what if 99 is the basis for the bad batch the reason i could see something like that is because so we hear throughout this episode that Django's dna is deteriorating and mm-hmm. they've been stretching it out to make clones and it's been very difficult because they Basically, what they said is they need another donor, essentially. So yeah. I could see them looking at all the DNA of clones to see what's what's alterating between the yeah. deteriorating of the DNA and the stretching of the DNA and everything. And they could see what goes on in someone like 99. Because obviously 99's body stays there. When they dispose of them, I, they're definitely seeing... They're not burning it. They're, yeah. they're researching it. They're researching what's going on. Because they're trying to see, oh, can we control the mini- the mutation? Because Can we give them desirable mutations? You know, it could give them all certain different aspects. Like, what if 99's thing for someone who could be a bad batch, mm-hmm. his whole thing is knowing certain weapons, grenades, um, outlayer schematics mm-hmm. around facilities and stuff. Like, what, what if that's his thing, you know? But he never really got to know the full potential of it because he was never given the technology for it or something. Yeah. We don't know, you know? It, it, it is a plausibility. Something. I like that. Whew. I like our little wacky ideas. It, it gets you thinking is what it does. It, it does. definitely gets you thinking. And you know what has me, like, thinking in this episode was Anakin, how very dark sidey he is. Yeah. Oh, so so dark sidey. Like, I suppose you expect me to surrender? And he's like, actually, I'm going to let these clones execute you. I was like, whoa, hold on. I wish we got a scene where they were, like, getting ready to fire. Like, imagine that moment where she's, like, actually sweating. And then she would be like, wait a minute, you're serious? Boom, she jumps away as they start shooting. Like, that would have been something crazy. Like, something crashed or some wild inconvenience. I saw that moment, and I was just like, damn, Anakin, that that is something. I was like, you go. I loved dark, it. Dark son of a bitch. Oh, man. he. You know what it is? He has that side. Well, you know that is the dark side. But sometimes it just has to get done. And you know what, to me, it was almost like? It almost was like the foreshadow of show foreshadowings. Like a little mm. similar to how he wanted to kill Dooku. But then he had hesitation. Yeah. You know? I and mean, then Palpatine egged it on. Yeah. So I felt like he realized he was able to egg this to happen on with his clones being there. You know, he doesn't, the way I see it, he didn't have to feel fully responsible for it because he- Or even have- later on in the season on the Citadel, oh, when yeah. he's with Tarkin and Tarkin's saying all his beliefs and 
And Anakin's agreeing with him and Anakin's finally being open with his ideas because he finally has someone who agrees with him. So now he has a justification. Those are all validated. Those are all like very interesting points. I have some points definitely for when we get there because I I find that so intriguing when all that happens, I got to say. But we we come now back to Ryloth. So now we're back on an episode of Ryloth where uh, our arc hasn't even happened yet, the liberation of Ryloth. And we're just trying to find supply lines for these people. And the crazy thing is, is it's so funny because this episode takes place before Ambush, the first episode. Yeah. Because King Katunko hasn't aligned himself with the Jedi and the Jedi Republic. Jedi or the Republic. And you finally see it at the end of that episode. He's like, please tell Master Yoda I wish to meet with him. So you finally see like how act- how that actually had happened. Yeah, how know? it all transpires. And of course, you know, I guess for once, Jar Jar's stupidity was Helpful. working. He did something stupid, but he didn't do something stupid where it helped somebody else solve something. It just, he did something stupid as a distraction. Yeah, where, like his stupidity was actually a positive. It wasn't like an inconvenience. Like, or like a, oh my God, you finally did something right. You wonderful creature. Yeah. Like, it's about time. Good job, Jar Jar. But that episode kind of goes back to how we said, like, you can't always remain neutral. And that's Mm -hmm. why Daria was neutral in the whole aspect. And then they finally chose the Republic. That was all interesting. And And we even get that later on in the season with Mandalore, kind of. She's trying so hard to be neutral, neutral. And her people right behind her back are siding with separatists in the black market. They're all, it's crazy, like, the pivotal points that happen with a lot of things, you know? And the interesting thing this season was we saw Greedo. First time we see Greedo doing anything aside from sitting across from Han Solo. And getting shot. Yes, because Han is a badass. He Uh, knows what he's doing. Greedo obviously doesn't know what he's doing because he left his DNA evidence in order for himself to get tracked. Some job you did, Greedo. Genius. And then got caught up by like royal. Uh, he, I love how he gets stopped by the chairman. Yeah, Antora. Like you're that bad, Greedo. You're that bad. <laughs> a fucking a politician beat you, kidnapped you. Like, oh, Greedo, you have a, you had a lot to improve on, and obviously we didn't get to see much improvement because you died very quickly. Quickly, yeah. <laughs> and we had our little glimpse of uh, our dopey, doofy inspector. Oh, yeah, our little... Oh, God, that was great. That guy. Thank God he was only there for, like, a few seconds. Thank God. I couldn't, I couldn't with him. You couldn't figure... Even, even the people, like, the characters themselves were like, get out, get out. I don't, I don't need you. So going back to how you said with, like, Mandalore, trying to remain neutral through everything, it seems like as you watch this show, you don't always remain neutral. You're always going to have to pick a side eventually. But mm-hmm. Mandalore somehow always seems to be Switzerland. If yeah. you think about it. Like, they are like Switzerland. Like, they have these ancient treaties that nobody wants to disrespect. Yeah. They're very it's old almost school. Like they're, it's almost like everyone's scared of them in a way. You know, they're very old school. They're very traditional. And you know that they're old school and traditional because also when Ahsoka comes to now teach a class because they mm-hmm. want a Jedi investigating, she couldn't bring her lightsaber. So Anakin had to take her lightsaber. So meanwhile, she don't have a lightsaber even on the planet, mm-hmm. you know? And that, well, that also was because of uh, Kenobi's fault, which I love Ahsoka being like, wait a minute, 
Master Kenobi caused trouble? <laughs> well, that's a first. It's so cool how she teaches the cadets. You know, it's nice to see her in a teaching role because she's a Padawan. So now Padawan. She's, she's like in but this. But she's a Padawan, role. but she's learned so much. And I feel like she learns a lot because, you know, she's with people who are experienced, like mm-hmm. Rex and Anakin. And she learns. Plo Koon. Plo Koon as well. Yeah. Even the Jedi she comes encounter with that aren't her master or people she's constantly with. You know, like she knows. People she encounters always teach her. Sometimes when she's with them, she does go outside the box, and that's because mm. of her master. But she does, she learns the things of both sides of the world outside the mm. box, inside the box, what to follow, what not to follow, and how to approach certain situations and yeah. how you go about them, you know. But it's cool because her teaching the lesson, she basically tells the cadets, she's foreshadowing what's to happen, how Mandalore is corrupt now, and which we now know it's corrupt. It ends up being the prime minister behind this whole black market scheme and the whole thing of uh, supplies being scarce and the poison water and everyone's sick now. There's a lot going on right there. She manages to basically- Help them crack it. You know, she- and she does it in such a great way where she basically turns the kids over. She's like, listen, I think you're looking for certain people. She gets through with that. You know, she tries to, and then of course, you know, the prime minister not being stupid, he knows what's going on. He's not dumb. Lures them into his little trap. Yeah. I mean, listen, she threw up a red flag asking where the Duchess was. Mm -hmm. If I was her in that situation, the way I would have approached it, I would have said, oh, where's the Duchess? Because I want to probe her mind to try and see what else she knows. Mm -hmm. That's where I think it would have been smarter for her because she could have said, listen, I'll use, you know, my Jedi mind trick powers in order to find out what else she has against you. And then he could be like, oh, you know what? That's actually a good idea since she already turned the kids over. So I think if she asked and approached in that sort of a way, I think it would have ended up being better in her perspective. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. She uh, threw up but the everything, red flags. But everything went well. But uh, that duchess is uh, always in need of a rescue from somebody. Always. And then she tries to fight for herself. Yeah. But she's thing- rescuing. I don't like it. I don't y- like it. You know what it is? There's, she's, no, uh, she's no Padme. She's not Padme. Padme fucks shit up. But as we had mentioned earlier, like the developing of Ahsoka, we're finally seeing how Ahsoka is now in tune with the Force in the next episode, Mm. having visions. Because we know Jedi don't dream. You know, she says, oh, I had a nightmare, but we all know it's not a nightmare. This is like a vision. You don't know if it's true. You just know that there's something to come. And she's paranoid the the whole episode. The thing is, I mean, listen, if it was happening to me for the first time, I'd probably be a little paranoid. But you got to meditate. But you know what's funny? She's reacting to it differently than Anakin. Because Anakin, it, it constantly gnaws at him. He doesn't learn how to let it go. Where mm-hmm. with Ahsoka, she lets it go. And then not like trying to let things organically happen so she can knows where to go in the moment if it does happen. Because you see that when they put the droid to speak. Because the thing is, too, is you notice how Ahsoka... She kind of like lets it go because she doesn't believe that the whole thing she's seen is everything to happen. Like it could happen in this way. It could happen that way. She's mm-hmm. just seeing it different perspectives where Anakin would approach it like, oh, no, it's going to happen that way. So now I have to go deal with it because he didn't let it go and think of it happening another way and approach the situation differently. It ended up being those outcomes that he kept saying they would be. That's the, the main difference between the two. But she 
she knows what she she knew what she was doing. She came up with the plans and everything. She kept Padme alive, and we find out that Aura Singh was still alive. It's interesting how this season all her decisions are allowing her to grow and progress as well as succeed in her decision making. Yes. Where last season her decision making wasn't the best. It kind of got her in trouble. Yeah, it would get her Especially in, a in the lot beginning of, of the series when she's leading people to battle and she's losing. Yeah, and she Or she won't a, pull back. Yeah, she loses a whole squadron. She Yeah. Admiral Yularen gets hurt and then she feels guilty with it all. She's she's growing. She's learning from her mistakes. Mhm. You know, so that's And by the end of the season you get a sense of Anakin has to let go. Yeah. So she she really does develop in this season as we you know, we keep venturing through it. And you see this too because she's also good with her words. Mm-hmm. On that episode where they go visit Zero and that's she gets Zero to spill the beans, you know, without even knowing the truth. Zero ended up spilling the beans. And of course, this all happened before uh, our hostage crisis, the finale in season one, this episode. Yeah, I was, so, I was like, wait, I completely forgot. I was like, hostage crisis. I was like, I felt so long ago. Yeah, but would you look at that? We went that far back because, and it's crazy because this episode takes place before it and then you have the next episode also takes place before it because Cad Bane, and this is why the memory of your droids has to get mind wiped. Cad Bane, he, he got a hold of 3PO and R2. He got the information he needed, and that's Easy. obviously how we find out that Zero the Hut is free. You know, yeah. that's how he got a hold of knowing what to do for the Senate building. Basically, now we get your boy, Quinlan Boss, shows oh up guy. in the next episode, you know, because Zero's free, and now they're hunting after him and everything. And it's so funny how Cad Bane was paid to free Zero, and now he's being paid to go hunt Zero. Yeah, you know, the Huts. The Huts offered more money. Like, just the quick turn of events on how everything just he went follows about the money. There, you know, and this is, I guess, also why you, you don't uh, trust an ex. We, we, we see what happens to Zero for trusting his ex. Yeah, listen, people, you can't trust your don't ex. Don't run back to your yeah. ex. Just saying, you know, Zero ended up dead because of this. So he was played very well. And it's crazy well. how Jabba got everything he wanted. Jabba played the whole council. Now Jabba has all that dirt. And that's what makes, what him, makes him such him a, a good, gangster. A good gangster. The Hutts are gangsters. And he gets the job done, no matter what he's got to do. Even, Nobody does it like him. And it don't matter. He betrayed family in order to make sure the job got done. Mm-hmm. So that really goes to show like what he was willing to do. And it's also revenge. Yeah, because of what he did to that little hutlet, Zero. The kidnapping and everything and making Jabba think he was dead. A lot going on there. You know, yeah, you so. thought in the original trilogy, you don't want to owe a debt to Jabba. But you really see what happens when you do something wrong to Jabba. To when you honest. do him wrong, when you do bad by him. Oh yeah, Han, Han got it easy. He didn't give a trophy case. Like I, I just think like Jabba had a thing for Han. Like he just liked Han. But, it, but it's also Han is very charming. Like he just sweet cha- talking people. It's like Jabba, Jabba. He, Harrison Ford has that genesequois, as you like to say. <laughs> he was like Jabba, Jabba. I got you, man. I'll give you your money plus ten percent. You know, plus you know a little extra. Yeah. Because when Jabba's like 20, he's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be greedy. Chikuna solo, you do not grito. Right? 
But I, I don't know what it is. Han Solo's got that charm that he gets by with Jabba. But we basically come to an end with, like, I guess that kind of an arc in a sense. And we get to see something a little different. We get to see what life's like on the Separatist side by going to their capital. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting, you know? And it's interesting how now Ahsoka kind of learns, like, how people have these different point of views. Well, from my point of view, it's the Jedi. You know, I think it's you guys. And Wait, wait, wait. wait. Point of view. So from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. (laughs) (laughs) So you see how people's point of view, the Jedi are evil, separatists are evil. Hence why we have a Republic and separatist war happening on our hands. And how basically there's the trying for this agreement, which obviously doesn't fall through because now we have that first attack on Coruscant in, I think they said like a thousand years or something. Yeah. And the minute attack Hasn't on the capital like the that, old republic. Leave it to the separatists to get it done. And of course, no treaty or anything. But this arc it's interesting and also a few other episodes like the whole season the season as a whole, you really get to see Palpatine's evilness. You get to see him working as Sidious kind of, but working but under his under Chancellor the guys, self. Yeah, under the guise of the Chancellor, using his position as Chancellor to kinda skew things in his direction yeah so like even as leader of the republic he's trying to help the separatists win it's crazy because i felt a lot of this started last season with the zillow beast Mm -hmm. you know that to me is when it all started and now you're really like seeing a lot of this unfold because we only see him as sidious in hologram messages you know between like grievous the separatists and dooku and whatnot it's all happening under his chancellor self, which is very interesting. There's a lot that happens. With, and you uh, even see his his second in command helping him. You see like how knowing, much of, of a factor this all guy the plays. Plans, yeah. Because he even he he even comes into fold in the next episode when it comes down to, you know, Organa and Padme having a fight for this uh, bill of no like not to have more clones and mm-hmm. everything with the banking clan and all this stuff. This guy's like, well, listen, this this can't happen. And he was even in it the, la- the episode before when it came down to the trying the whole peace thing. Yeah. So you see how uh, Palpatine's aid is a very big key factor when mostly he was just standing there in uh, the, the prequel trilogy. Even at the end of this arc, when he, he's sitting in his office and he goes, well, it seems like the voice of one person and strung the heart, you know, strung at the heartstrings and now my all my planning is out the window yeah like like he can't believe that getting to people's hearts and their caring deep down inside would destroy all his evil maniacal planning and hearing from like a person's perspective like we did there is i guess you realize it's something that people need people don't hear from that first hand and what you know someone's struggling through like as a citizen obviously we see it touches the heart Gotta touch the heart, always. But we now get to a very interesting arc through this season. The Night Sisters, Asajj Ventress, betrayed and everything because of Sidious. And, you know, it's crazy because Dooku didn't want to do it. But, listen, he ain't going to disobey his master. He goes through with it. He has no problem with it. You know, and... Even though it, it did pain him to do it. It really did At pain first, him to it do it. At first, it pained him. You know, and you know it's something that he's wanted to do is to overthrow the emperor because 
when he now gets put into this game of a ploy with Savage Opress as now his apprentice and everything, he wants to be with Savage to take over the Emperor. You know, but Doesn't meanwhile, tell, I, I don't think he even mentioned Savage too. No, he didn't. And it, it, it was like as if that was his secret apprentice now, in a sense. And it's crazy because now Dooku only takes Savage on because him thinking Asajj is dead. She's not. Mm-hmm. She returns home to Dathomir, returns to the Night Sisters. And I love that we get this little backstory of who Asajj was, her former master and stuff, and her connection to the Force. It's very a youngling. It's you know, kinda, it makes you sad almost. It does. You really do. I feel like that's when you like first start to feel for her. You know, Same. You, we never got that. And then we finally get this from her. And you see now she's still out now for revenge. So it's crazy how her and these Night Sisters now go after Dooku. And Dooku thinks they're Jedi. And they weaken Dooku. And him still in weakened states, he is absolutely astounding. I love this fight. He is astounding and how powerful he is in this with the force lightning and everything. And his whole thing on tricking them that he was like weakened, like Palpatine did to Mace Windu. Yeah. It was amazing. And they had no idea what was coming. And here's the funny thing. What happened with Palpatine and Mace? He threw him out the window. What did Duke yeah. do? He, do, he threw, threw the three of them out the window. window. Uh, to me, I found that all very interesting how that all correlated with everything. Me too. And Savage showing up, I think, is awesome because we see now Darth Maul has a brother. I mean, he's got two brothers, but in order for Savage to succeed, he had to kill his other brother, Feral. Savage does that. He and the only reason that was done is because no attachment. Yeah. Asajj made sure that he would have no attachment to this. I love how Mother Tal. You you. You notice how when Mother Talzin speaks, do you hear that loud echoing voice in echoing, the background? Echoing, but like loud echoing, like manly voice. Yeah, it's like this whole you know what it reminds thing me coming of? about. It reminds me almost like in the Powerpuff Girls, him. Oh, oh no, her, her. her right? Yes. I know what you're talking about. His is so creepy to me. I know exactly what you're saying. It's so jarring how he... Like in that background, you hear that that echoing. It's just so weird. You know, it, it it's like you're never forgetting that there's this evil, sinister presence in that background area. Mm-hmm. Is what it is. It's very like gripping, and it's supposed to be like a little scary. I would say, in a sense, it is scary. But we have now Savage becomes Dooku's apprentice, and he takes out a whole outpost. No lightsaber. No lightsaber. Jedi. Obviously, like, light work. There was nothing to him. And it's so funny how Obi-Wan sees this footage of how the Jedi died and how everyone died on this outpost. And he goes, Darth Maul. It's like, no way. No way. It can't be him. Can't be him. You know? Kind of like it, it, it haunts him. You know? Like, he always had that in the back of his mind. Like, I okay, I ever, did that. I, don't, and, I did that. I don't think I ever killed him. You know what it is? To me, I feel like that was like the first big tragic kill he ever had. Yeah. Also, think about it. That was the first time any Jedi has killed a Sith and like, hundreds of years they even say it in the first movie there hasn't been a sith around for yeah but which one was killed the master or the apprentice apprentice. but still the fact that he killed a dark side user hasn't been done and obviously that's gonna be something to weigh on someone's shoulders no matter no matter what yeah you know especially for him also being a padawan no less and losing his master to the same person so you know what i would love to see i would love to see something in between um, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones just to see like hear 
what Obi-Wan was going through in that moment. Because in a sense, some people could probably speculate, like, what if at first he did that where he sliced Maul in half, something out of hate? I feel like that's something... Yeah, I feel like that's something that could get, like, touched up upon. For all we know, we could see it in Kenobi, you know? Because they did say we're going to get, like, flashbacks and stuff, like, happening. So I think that would be a very cool thing to throw in. That would be pretty dope. But, oh boy, we're back on Toydaria. Again, we're always back on this planet. Back there. But it doesn't seem like we'll be back here for a while since Savage killed King Katuko. <laughs> I know, R.I.P. King Katuko. Oh, man. But... <laughs> it's so funny how he does it, though, because Dooku says bring him alive. I bring him and alive. Savage gets, like, annoyed by the whole thing. The whole thing. And it kills him anyway. He's like, these guys are pissing me off and not letting me finish my job. You know what, Katunko? Boom, you're dead. Now I can drag your body out of here and throw it on the ship. <laughs> but even the way he's dragging the body, like, he's just, like, lumbering around like it's an inconvenience to him. I get him like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> It's so interesting how a lot of that goes down because obviously now Savage gets punished Mm -hmm. from all this. You know, Dooku does not take his commands being disrespected very lightly. And Asajj finally shows up and now Savage is out of his thing. Them two are fighting Dooku. Next thing you know, Savage is all conflicted. He's then fighting both of them. Freaking Anakin and now Obi-Wan finally make their way off the planet and onto the Separatist ship. And now you have all of them trying to fight each other. So you have this whole montage. And I love how the battle droids never went to attack Obi-Wan and Anakin first. They were going after Savage first. Savage, they were, they were like, our orders are Savage. Our orders is that guy. We're not going to worry about those other guys. And then, um, you're not supposed to be here. Here. <laughs> and we end off with the arc of... Savage returning to Mother Talzin, and he is told that his brother Dark Maul is alive out there. Yeah. Some chilling, and it ends with chilling stuff. Maul's face. Yes. You look at that and you're like, well, he's coming back. It just feels so, like a great evil hanging over the show. You know, and it was good that a lot of that, good that went down because we were like, oh, now we're going to see him explored a little more. Like, this will be, this will be something cool. But it's even, so. it even shows Savage becoming his own character or person. Because everyone realized, else has been using him. Yeah, and he realizes the only person, I guess, who would appreciate him would be his brother, even though his other brother he killed. But now he can learn from this brother. He knows He's this brother is stronger than it. him. Yeah. He knows that now he can finally get his connection to the dark side with him. So, who understands his teachings or his way of living. After we end there. I think we get one of the best arcs in the entire the show. Yes. Yeah. This is one of my favorite arcs. This is my, one of my top arcs throughout the whole entire series. This arc epitomizes Star Wars and everything that it is. It it's is. just bulky religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. <laughs> so that's literally what we got going on here. You know, we make it onto this, I don't know, to me, uh, it's like a planet inside a holocron a giant ass holocron a death star like holocron holocron yeah it does it looks like a super weapon yeah and meanwhile you see all this life that it has to it inside and we encounter force wielders and they're not they're not even names you know the father the daughter daughter and the son you know to me i almost see it as a similarity to like religion 
you know Catholicism almost. Yeah, you know, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but this mm -hmm. is the Father, Son, and the Daughter, you know, being force wielders and having this big connection with the force and the whole thing of Anakin being the chosen one. Yeah, for the first time we finally get to see the chosen one thing being talked about and being and explored. The best part about the arc bringing in the whole chosen one aspect is our good old friend Qui-Gon Jinn has made himself back into Dropping Star Wars wisdom. with Liam Neeson coming back as the voice. Makes voice. it even greater. I, know. I love it. This is so chilling because not only like Qui-Gon comes back, but it's like Obi-Wan meets with Qui-Gon discussing things. Anakin sees now his mother, you know, and Ahsoka sees her future self. Yeah. So everyone is met by somebody here about what's going on in their future or what's to come of what's the future. playing a role in what what happens to them yeah i find all of that like so intriguing like they they did not leave a single person out like everyone had a role to play in meeting somebody look at what ahsoka's older self said to her leave your master yeah and then spoiler alert she does she leaves the very order. True. she abandons it's, him it's very true it was like a whole foreshadowing thing for it yeah. all to happen and even you know? Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Obi talking to Qui-Gon, I don't know if I did a good job with him. And Qui-Gon mm -hmm. telling him, you, you just got to let go. Like, you can't, you you can't, can't dwell on it. Yeah. So, and that was, that was one thing Qui-Gon always did. He, he would always let go. And he trusted Obi-Wan. And mm -hmm. listen, no one's going to do the perfect job of it. He knows Obi-Wan, obviously, no matter what, does the best he can, will do the best he can in whatever the situation of the circumstance may be. It is what it is, you know? It's funny because you have Anakin being found out as the chosen one because it's funny because we talk about this whole thing of him not being able to let go. And for him to make the choice to find out if he is the real chosen one, he can't let go because he's got, he saves both Obi-Wan and Ahsoka when he's so given bad. a choice. He can't let go to either one. He's like, that's my master. That's my Padawan. I can't let go to either one. And meanwhile, for once, him not letting go actually saved to people that mean so much to him. But then after that, you see the the negative of him not letting go. Because even when he's shown the future, now he's so obsessed with bringing peace and balance. Peace and justice to my new empire. Your new empire? In a sense, that's where it comes down to. And him, well, before I get to him, I'll get to her, Ahsoka, falling to the dark side. That... I think was awesome in all honesty because yeah. it's something that you would never thought you would see. first of all. And you see all the negative Anakin has on her. Yeah. Like the negative effect he has on her. So to get, and to get to see the fight between them because of all this tension now, because now she's on the dark side and whatnot is all very interesting. You see all this dirty laundry that she hates all the nicknames and stop calling me that. And she doesn't, she hates the fact that he undermines her abilities. Yeah, because he's so attached. He, he gets worried for her, you know? And we have Ahsoka die from all this. And thank God she came back to life. The daughter gave her life to Ahsoka. We're okay, folks. Thank God. But now there's no balance. There is none because there's no light. The sun the whole time. And I love the sun's look, man. It's just perfect. He, he looks just like the Inquisitor from Rebels. He looks Rebels, just... Rebels, yeah. He has that um, sinister, dark those, look. Uh, those Jedi uh, temple guardians. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just... It's so funny how they give him that look for, 
for that looks supposed to be technically for a good person, but he's got yeah. to look for a bad person. So to me, it's all very interesting, especially because I don't know if you know this. Do you know who the voice of the son is? No. Sam Witwer is the voice of the son. Witwer oh. voiced Maul later on yeah. you know, through Star Wars. And obviously mm. he was our very own uh, famous uh, secret apprentice in The Force Unleashed. So, yes, 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 yes. So he was the voice of the son through this arc, which that was one of the things I loved about the arc because I was like, oh, wow, he actually had a role in this. I didn't even realize it. Yeah, that's dope. But he turns Anakin to the dark side, basically becomes Darth Vader, you know? Yeah, he sees it. And you know what's crazy? Like, even him as Darth Vader in this arc, he never tried to kill Obi-Wan. He just left him trapped there as if there was well, some... Well, he didn't hate him yet. It's true. Because he saw the future. He didn't see what... He saw what he would become. He didn't see how it happened. How it would happen, yeah. He just saw certain events. So it almost... To me, it for me, I felt like it almost goes to show that he still had a little bit of good in him. You know? There's always going to be that good. So I thought that that was all pretty cool. I was like, oh, so he doesn't do it. He still has the good in him. But it shows he, he, doesn't, he didn't let go of that vision. Because he, he himself could have broken out of that. He fed into it. And it's interesting. What I think is cool that we have a fight early, like in this arc between the daughter and the son. Yeah. Almost light the dark. fight light and dark. And we always hear, we always hear people talk about the dark side is stronger. Yeah. Per se, like there's a perception that it's stronger. Because we consider things to be unnatural. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, no. More seductive. Uh, but it's just that there's no that it's equal. Yeah. He can't beat her. He can't beat her and she can't beat him. It's a no. draw. It shows that it's only a perception of power. And the only way her real defeat came down to it was her giving her life to save Ahsoka. That's sacrificing herself. What became the unbalance to it all. And thank God we had the whole thing of Anakin turning back at this point with Obi-Wan going to the father, the father erased the memories because he saw things that he wasn't supposed to say. Let's see, yeah. So that at least obviously keeps the timeline intact for Star Wars. The whole arc is the foreshadowing of what Everything. was to become the of Star series, Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a perfect thing in perspective. And it gives you like the different tune of certain characters, you know, like Ahsoka being on the dark side and whatnot. Like it just, Meeting Obi-Wan, well, not meeting, meeting Qui-Gon again. Yeah. You know, the, like you said, the whole chosen one aspect finally being spoken about and delved into. And, you know, the whole crazy thing about it is, is none, none of this is remembered. Yeah. It none all happened, but nobody realizes anything. So they just end up going to meet with Rex. and Even uh, though we do have teases that it does follow them throughout the series. Yeah. There's little subliminal drops like... Whether they're the like, I, I don't know. If, yes. You know, there's like the subliminal drops that, oh, maybe it did happen. Maybe it didn't happen. Who knows? It happened. Um, Follow the owl. Moray. Moray, I think the name is the owl. Yeah. So oh, Moray. That's all you got to do. That's all I got to say. But uh, I love this next arc that comes up of the Citadel. Because to me, a lot of this all reminds me of Mass Effect with the conduit finding a way into in the game with the Citadel. Mm -hmm. And this has a thing they're trying to find out the Nexus route of different trade routes and how it would control everything. I just, I love that 
to me, I put that correlation together with it. I think it was awesome. I love how this is how Anakin as Darth Vader got the idea of carbon freezing somebody. Freezing, yeah. So that was a crazy that that idea. I was like, whoa. For I love R two in charge of battle droids. Hysterical, so funny. Like these, and I love how dedicated these battle droids are. They went out like badasses. Yeah, they they stuck to the role. I gotta say, the I'm best sorry, battle droids. Yeah, these were the best battle droids ever shown. Roger, Roger. That I even like later, and they like, weren't even in separate his hands. In the middle of the arc, when they capture, when they're like pretending to capture R two, he's like, "Shut up, you droid." Yeah, and kicks him, and then R two like shocks him. He's like, "I'm sorry, sir. I was just yeah. trying to play the role." Yeah, like <laughs> that was funny. Like, it's like uh, a it's like a classic yeah. bumbling idiots bit. Yeah, I I feel like. You know what it's like? I think there were three of them. There were three blue battle droids. Yeah. It's like R2 in charge of the three stooges. Exactly. <laughs> that's what it is. Like, that's, that's how I put it into terms, I gotta say. But the whole thing in this, I love Ahsoka coming along on the mission. And it's that's crazy long. because she ends up being the biggest part of the mission. Yeah. I don't even realize it. I do have to say, though, this squad that does come to the rescue between, like, Anakin, Ahsoka, Cody Rex, Kenobi, Echo 5 sort of thing. Listen, I want that to be my rescue squad if I'm taken somewhere, all right? I'm just saying. Because they got it done. It was light work. Got it done. They freed Master Peel. They got Captain Tarkin Tarkin. out. Oh, I loved seeing Tarkin in this young role. And, you know, you finally see the delve of how the character was when he was younger. And finally see how him and Darth Vader meshed so well. Because him and Anakin meshed, meshed so, so well. well. Oh, it's just, it's beautiful stuff. It really is because of how they're their bonding point of over views. everything. And everything from battle tactics to philosophy on war. And you know, it, they both critique the Jedi. It's crazy because it happens through all three episodes of the arc. And yeah, they have a bromance. They do. They really do. And it's, it's beautiful because you get to see like how well these guys technically became. And it all yeah, and it should, it's like, fuck, why aren't they paired up together? Yeah. Why does, why does, uh, why does Anakin have that schlup over there? Tarkin, man, he's, he's one hell of a character. I do have to and say. And even with Tarkin, we see the influence of the, of the Chancellor. Yes. With the plans. Because, because he wants to go to the Chancellor. And I love, because to me, you think back now when they're talking and how they're correlating and meshing together. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I happen to be good friends with the Chancellor. I myself have to be very good friends with the Chancellor. Oh boy, here we go. It's like you're friends with him. I'm friends with him. Oh my god! Did, did we just become best friends? My God! Wow, that's crazy. I, you know, it's funny. I think how come I, he's never introduced us? I, I think of their moment. Their moment reminds me of like Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and Step Brothers. I swear yeah. to God, like, they just became best friends. Oh man! But we do get some tragedy that happens echo unfortunately we see his helmet left as the shuttle blew up and we lose master peel and what makes ahsoka the most vital crucial person of this gets the other half of the nexus route tarkin has the one half ahsoka's got the other half throughout the whole episode you see how it was good that she just decided to tag along yeah how she was beneficial to the mission it shows how she Guru, you don't see a Padawan having this important, vital information like this. And 
we we feed in the arc right after this, the last two episodes. Yeah, these and where she's leading those younglings that are stuck. And gotta say, becoming best friends with Chewie, man. I love, I love it. Love it. Ah, Chewie, buddy. You know, and right. it's so funny because the Trandoshans are known to always want to hunt Wookiees down and everything. But yeah. through this, like, last two episodes, they're scared shitless of these guys. He's like, wait a minute, they have a Wookiee now? I got a bad feeling about this. No way. Oh, so come on. For people that hunt for sport and love to hunt Wookiees, they are so scared of these guys. So yeah. it's like, you know, listen, good luck to you. Well, you know, they could rip the arms off a of Gundark. Yeah. So I'm sure Chewie would love that. You know, that was one of my favorite abilities of Chewie in Lego Star Wars is if you got close enough oh, to someone, you, you could rip you their, arms, their off, arms off. Yeah. And then the whole Lego body just went bye-bye. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but, and it's so cool in this episode because you know how Chewie is good with electronics and mm-hmm. the Falcon and all that stuff. He's able to build that transmitter out of the salvage from the wreck of the transport they knocked out that he was in. That all happens. And these younglings, uh, well, two now, because one got killed. So yeah. you end up two, you have Ahsoka, and now you have Chewie. They go to take the fight to the Trandoshans. Ahsoka and basically showed the younglings to use the force. You will yeah. call for a transport. And he couldn't get it at first. And he finally, the youngling got it, got it down. So that was another, like another big thing. Like they lost faith. The and end of this Ahsoka arc, was that hope. Yeah. The end of this arc shows Ahsoka's ready to be a Jedi Knight. And that's, I'm excited to go into next season because next season she gets so much more responsibility and there's more Ahsoka adventures next season. You are 100% correct about that. And we, we get to see like, Ahsoka could be a Jedi Knight. Anakin's holding her back. It's true. In a sense, he doesn't because he doesn't want to let her go. Let her go, but he has to. So that's that's what it really comes down to. She's almost like a new age of Jedi Knights. In yeah. a sense. Because she's the first Jedi to grow up in this war time. Yes. And you know she's ready for things because also you you know she's ready for things too, because she even tells Anakin. Like, the reason I got through this there on that place was because of your teachings. Your teachings. You, you shouldn't be sorry. It. You shouldn't be sorry. I'm thanking you because of your training and your teachings. And that's how I am now here. That hit me. Yo, me too. You know, to me, I love it because you have all these characters there. And especially you had Chewie and Tarful there. You know, and you know Yoda's going to be with those guys in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and whatnot, and you know, uh, Obi Wan is eventually going to be with them in A New Hope. So, a lot of a lot of big things happen in there. And yeah, a lot of big things. A conclusion to season three, our season that jumps around to previous episodes from other seasons. <laughs> yeah, it's so Star Wars this season. Yeah, our our secrets have been revealed. We start at the we like wait wait okay okay let's let's jump to the beginning let's go to the middle. And then let's start to the present, but let's go to the past first. Yeah, or let's let's take this episode from season one, and we're gonna create an arc out of it. We're gonna have this episode take. We're gonna have these two episodes take place before that, and now one episode that takes place after it. Yeah, because it's gonna lead in. Oh man, very uh, Star Wars esque. Yeah, if you ask me. 
I do like this season. We get to see Republic Commandos. Yeah, coming off the shuttle. The shuttle. And Master Peel gets a great funeral because you got to give him a funeral. Yeah, that's Jedi tradition. Can't let it go by. But season three has come to an end. Season three is great. But we're getting season four. Don't we get Master Krell in season four? We will have the carnage of Krell in season okay. four. All right. Yeah, that's like a four or five episode arc. That's a very that is probably one of my favorite arcs. So I'm I'm excited for that arc. I'm gonna when we fangirl the whole fucking arc. Now we'll jump to news. We only got one little small thing of news today, and basically, Lucasfilm has said they are bringing back Kylo Ren for future Star Wars projects. It's a trap. It might be a trap. You might be right about that. We know it's going to be a trap at the start of season four, if you remember how season four starts. So do. I'll, I'll just uh, point it out there. So, but uh, what do you what do you think about that? I think it's cool. I want to see more Kylo adventures. You know, the only thing is, is they have. I want to see Jedi Padawan Kylo. So the other thing is, is like we know Luke isn't coming back. Well, Mark Hamill isn't coming mm-hmm. back and whatnot. So my whole thing is, is like, are we going to see? Uh, animated cartoon, like Clone Wars type thing, or do you think we're gonna have Adam Driver come back as Kylo Ren? I would like an animated cartoon. I feel like animated is the only way it's gonna work because if you're gonna show his rise and downfall, you have to have Luke there. There's no other way of doing it unless you're gonna CGI Luke Skywalker, but I, you might as well just make it animated by then. It's so true. It's so true, right? You know, if you wanna, in all honesty, for a Kylo Ren Star Wars project, I would love a Knights of Ren TV show. I really would. And bring back Adam Driver for something like that because I don't, yeah. think, we'd, I don't think we'd need to see Luke in something to, of that. We just need to see the Knights of Ren do whatever the Knights of Ren do because I don't even know what they do. Yeah, neither do I. They, uh, I just know they pillage things. That's yeah, uh, they probably had about as much or a little less screen time as Boba Fett did in two films. Oh, so, they probably had like five minutes of screen time? So yeah. Years? That's where we're at with those guys, unfortunately. I also got another bit of news. Oh. Apparently, the Kenobi series is supposed to start filming in dun, 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 September. Oh, beautiful. I love it. We'll see. We'll see if it. it actually happens. You never I know. hope so. You never hope know. So it's been, it's been pushed back long enough, and we have, to, we have to stay strong in these times because we don't know if a second big wave could hit of COVID-19. It's so true. So the only thing we can do is stay positive and keep moving along. Or you know what else it could be? <laughs> the Death Star is operational. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, there we are. You'll have to see us for season four now. Season four next week. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. I oh, I can't wait. Season four. Things, things have finally uh, really picked up, we'll yeah. say. The show really gets, this is when I start to like the show, because now it's like, it's revving up. It's like adventure after adventure, and they all coincide with one another. Yeah, you're 100% right with that. Because when you hit these last few seasons, most episodes kind of in the right order. Yeah. You have a few that take place in between other ones, but Mm -hmm. it's not, put it this way, it's not like season three, that's for sure. Not like season three at all. So we're not going to be doing that all over again. But for you folks here at Spit Wars, this is your clone trooper, Robbie Rockets, 12617, signing off. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. And it's been the dude.
Dario, I just want to wish you all a great, great week. May the force be with you always. <laughs>